Welcome to the Collecting Wisdom Podcast. Collecting Wisdom is a space where you'll find intimate conversations on life, yoga, philosophy, and what it's like to live on purpose from those that I've personally met and have collected wisdom from on my own path. I'm Marissa Rose, founder of The Well Studio, yoga teacher and teacher trainer, and I will be your host on the Collecting Wisdom Podcast. I hope that as you listen to these words and soak up the wisdom in these conversations, that they inspire you towards change and encourage and empower you in your own path, in your own self-knowing, and in your own self-evolution. All right. Welcome back to the Collecting Wisdom Podcast. I'm sitting here in my living room with Elena Brower, who has made a huge impact on my life, my teaching, my schedule. I feel like I can truly look around at my life right now and where I'm sitting, not only physically, but also mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and really attribute um, a lot of the changes that I've made over the past nine to 12 months um, from our time together. And I'm eternally grateful for all of the conversations that we've had and the one-on-one mentorship program that we did together and truly just your insight, your wisdom, your guidance. I've been following along with your teaching journey for the last decade, I would say, since since I started teaching and um, you're the real deal. And I'm really excited for our community to get to know you and just to hear your voice and get some insight into what your life is like, what, what life has been like, how you got to where you are and um, where you are now. Because something else that I'll say that I love about you that I so resonate with is you're so multifaceted and you're not afraid to just go there to be the artist, to be the poet, to be the offer, to to work with parents, to, I mean, it's incredible the way that you hold space at such a large capacity. And that's why I wanted to learn from you because that's something that I um, value and aspire to do in my life for the people who follow along with the Well Studio as well. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you for being here. I'd love for you to just share who you are, where you came from. Um, I know that you've been teaching yoga meditation since 1999. And I think that's incredible. So give us some insight into where you are now and how you got to where, where you are and where you sit in life. Thank you so much for that very generous introduction. You know, I think I'm going to start right here, right now. Mm-hmm. I am almost 54. I am seeing my son, who's now 17, off to college in August of this year. I feel very much a completed circle and cycle with that. I am now entering into many pages and many books of chaplaincy training, of Buddhist chaplaincy training with my teacher at Upaya Zen Center. Been a Zen student for the last five years. It's been just beyond helpful to grow older with that sensibility and this um, evolving understanding of what it means to be alive, what it means to welcome death, what it means to be a citizen who contributes and serves in some ways. Prior to that, I've done kind of everything. Um, Mm -hmm. I have courses, as you said, I have courses in in so many different realms from parenting, which I'm very, very proud of, because I think I've done a great job there. Um, 
to menopause, which I'm also weirdly proud of. Yeah. I, got a lot of good, I got a lot of good information and I've been keeping up with my practices and my body. Mm. So I feel really good. Mm. Um, yoga on glow for the last almost 15 years now. Wild. Wow. I know. Yeah. Since the very beginning of that um, wow. service, I've been there and mm. it's very much a family affair over there. I love mm being there. I love that that's the only place where I teach. Uh, it's a very simple existence. You know, I, I teach mm-hmm. and record two classes a week, every single week, two classes of mine go live. It's beautiful. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, prior to that, I've studied with some of the finest teachers, some of whom are still teaching, some of whom have fallen from grace in various iterations and, I've forgiven everybody. Everybody's on their own journey. Um, Everything happens for a reason. And I'm just sort of slowly and quietly doing my best here. I now live in Santa Fe, as you know. Um, I'm just taking care of my community, my body, my family, doing, doing the best that I can. Yeah, as you do so well, I I take your classes on Glow regularly. I share them with everyone that I know. I'm like, this is who you need to practice with. And um, you've actually mentioned it a couple of times, but how present you are with your body. I remember the first time that I met you um, in Santa Fe and that was the first thing I noticed about you was just how attuned to your body you seemed. And, um, it's, you know, the practice that we teach through yoga meditation, but I'm curious how you stay so in your body and how you so lovingly care for your body, because this is something that you've truly taught me through our time together. And it was so subtle, but so paramount at the same time. And you really live it. And I think a lot of us are, are looking for that and seeking that. You know, there's a little deal that I have with myself that I get blood work done at least once a year, usually Mm -hmm. twice. I get checked for parasites once a year Mm -hmm. because I do a fair amount of travel. Um, Those two things keep me on my toes. Mm -hmm. The uh, blood work, I finally found a service that does it very um, reasonably Mm price-wise. There are a couple of gals in California called... Uh, integrativewellnessarts.com and I believe I'm I'm not 100% but I believe I have a link that might still be active you get some sort of discount Mm -hmm. but to have a a little team like that who can handle and usher your blood work through is epic Mm -hmm. and to sort of analyze it with you and say okay you could use a lot more vitamin d uh you need more iron Mm -hmm. your hb one AC is pretty high. That means you have to, you know, deal with your sugar, insulin, glucose mm. levels, you know, all, all these different things that I would never otherwise know. Aside from that, uh, I do have a really incredible doctor. Her name is Dr. Gabrielle Lyon, and she's really um, not so much taking new patients. She sees a lot of servicemen and service service families, uh, people who have served in the armed forces. Real badass. What can I say? <laughs> she also happens to be my son's father's second ex-wife and best friend. Um, and she's amazing. And she has me lifting mm. weights. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that has made all the difference. Anyone who's listening, you can listen to the Matter of Menopause Summit, which is forever free. 
It's on YouTube. You can find it Amazing. everywhere. But boy, oh boy, the weights made all the difference because mm. if you're not lifting and building, I'm not extremely muscular by any <laughs> stretch of the imagination. I'm still pretty skinny. I'd, I'd say though. <laughs> but if you build muscle at this particular mm-hmm. juncture, you know, between 40 and 60, you have sites in your body where protein can get metabolized in a really efficient way. And your your body, as well as your brain, when building muscle, stay younger, mm-hmm. you know, in in um, sort of cellularly, let's say. So that's been really cool. Um, and I would say also, I want to just tip my hat to the practice of Zazen, because if it weren't for mm-hmm. that, which is really just meditation, um, just sitting, nothing special, no special mantras. There is some chanting that we do on certain days at mm-hmm. certain times, but just sitting and getting to know your mind and how it works and how it moves and how it frets and how it recovers mm-hmm. um, causes a level of presence in all the things that you do mm-hmm. that you know, you can't really deny. I I even had a situation with my kid recently where I almost fell into a, a really temperamental former behavior pattern. And because of all this meditation that I've been doing, now I've got a couple, you know, solid months under my belt where I'm sitting five, seven hours mm-hmm. a day. Um, boy, it's really hard to fall into old patterns when you've got that with you, you know. Absolutely. So, yeah, that that I think that's kind of where I I sit right now, and that's how to answer your question. I think that's how I'm able to be so present is mm-hmm. a lot of practice, a lot of screwing it up, a lot of coming back. Mm-hmm. And I love about that about you. I feel like you've always taken a stand for just honesty and in, integrity and in, in what you do, and even in the industry and world of yoga, which is, you know, where I lie and where a lot of our listeners lies. Um, yoga teachers are aspiring teachers, newer teachers, older teachers. And I'd love to, I'd love to go there and just um, sort of glean some insight from you on, you know, you teach at retreats, you teach at festivals. I saw you were at Red Rocks. It looked absolutely amazing. You teach on glow. Um, and you also do so many other things. So what has it been like for you on your path of teaching specifically and allowing yourself to be, it's almost, I feel it's so multifaceted, but it's so clear and directional at the same time. And I remember through Mm. our coaching together and our time, um, I actually made the decision to close my Philadelphia studio and actually as we are recording this podcast today is the day that I actually shared that with our community. And you know, what I learned from you is really being in integrity with myself and what I'm capable of offering and what I'm here to offer and almost like this thread of just letting that be enough. And I so feel that from you because when I look at you and I know you and I've been, you know, learning from you, I see that, well, you could do more. You could, you could teach in Santa Fe if you wanted, you could do X, Y, Z, you could teach every week on glow, but you're so consistent and so integral about where you are. Um, and I think that that can be hard in a society that always wants more and more and more, especially from their teachers and people that have wisdom to share. So I'd love your insight on that. 
big uh, question, and I think it's an important one to discuss amongst this community. Uh, if you're listening to this and you're a newer teacher, just be really clear about your direction. If your direction is going toward service and you happen to be resourced financially, cool. Take anything you want. Don't take any money for it. It's an awesome service. If you can do it, if you can do it, it's just an incredible uh, offering to society. Um, I teach at a level two men's penitentiary at least once a month, usually twice. That's the service that I do at this moment in time. Uh, there'll be more other things that I'll be doing, hospice and children's grief work uh, as the year unfolds, 2024 unfolds. Um, but that's the service that I've chosen. If you don't have money and you are teaching for income as a career, it is so important that you unabashedly take the jobs that will both give you an income and fairly and give you happiness, joy. Because if you're not delighted with what you're doing, especially as a yoga teacher, but really with anything, uh, if you're listening and you're not a yoga teacher, if you're not delighted, it will be very challenging to get up and go there and do the work. Mm -hmm. So that's important. And I realize that that's a tall order. Um, and let's say you've been teaching for many, many years and you're like, holy shit, I'm doing way too many things. I'm completely fraying at the edges. What do I do? In which case you would address it the way that Marissa and I addressed it in her private work with me, which was very meticulously, slowly and carefully, respectfully, Go through all the things that you're doing on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. How much does this earn you? How delighted are you to be doing it, essentially? And then make some discriminations. Okay, this thing I'm keeping, that thing I'm not keeping. This thing I'm going to keep, that thing I need to toss. That's a very helpful process, and it should take several weeks to really mm -hmm. get in there and see, like, how does it feel and what is going on? That would be the sort of practical approach for these different, um, you know, strata of your community mm -hmm. um, to look carefully and see what where you can get both paid and delighted, where your giving is actually received, mm -hmm. or if you are just donating your time, which is wonderful and strongly recommended, um, if you can do that, I, I say go for it find mm. the community that really needs you uh, and do it. Yeah. And it seems you've really found a beautiful balance between those two and, and everything that you talk about, you seem delighted to be there for, I you know, it's, yes. it's such a, it feels like such a beautiful, full, diverse schedule, but you're so incredible at looking at your schedule and you teach this in your course, Simplify, which I also was able to do. And it really changed a lot for me day to day. And the changes that you make day to day then add up to your whole life. And um, I think, you know, when we can look at your whole life and where you are as a, as a teacher and an author and a poet and a mom and everything that you do right now, truly you, you like beam and glow this radiance and this joy around it. And it's not a small thing. There, there's a lot that, you know, you take on. Um, I see that you travel a lot for retreats. And um, I think it's just something that 
a lot of us as yoga teachers and, and leaders or soon to be leaders and teachers um, consider and want a path towards, but sometimes don't know how to get there. And I know you mentioned taking it slow is so essential. Um, I'm curious about your path and you know what it was like in the beginning, I know that you owned a yoga studio in the past as well. Um, and I'm sure there have been, you know, other things that you've done that you've realized, oh, maybe this isn't it. And so for anyone who's maybe in a situation where they're thinking, I don't know if this is it, or what if I do something and that's not it? I'm curious what your thoughts are around that. You know, what's interesting, I want to back up for one second into retreats because this pertains to mm -hmm. what we're talking about here. I used to do a lot of stuff, a lot of travel. Mm -hmm. And now I only do one retreat that's fixed a year in December. Mm -hmm. I don't know that I'll add another one this year, mostly because mm -hmm. of my study schedule is pretty intense and I have to write like eight papers <laughs> this year. Oh, <laughs> yeah, back, I'm back in college, oh, wow. baby. It's really good. <laughs> I'm not going to pull any all-nighters though. Like mm -hmm. I did. Um, <laughs> choose a place that you love. Choose a time of the year that will suit your community. If you're listening to this or watching mm -hmm. and stick with it because your people will really appreciate the consistency with which you show up. I just launched, I just released the details on the December retreat for this year, 2024. Mm -hmm. And already seven of the 20 something rooms have been taken by past retreatants. And these are people who've been back four, five, six, seven times. Mm, been doing this thing for many years. So that's something to think about too. Don't feel like you have to take every single opportunity. Really focus. Yes, 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 yes. I love that. Um, and then to this question, um, think about how to answer it. For, for the most part, I think you're really wanting to know about how to sort of focus and hone in on what it is that you want to be doing. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think reflection is the ultimate gift and medicine for us. Mm -hmm. I don't use that word medicine lightly. It's being bandied about with mm -hmm. such a mm -hmm. abandon. Um, spending time every day, really considering how you're feeling. Mm -hmm. How's my breathing? What's happening here? 20 minutes in the morning, maybe another 10 or 20 in the evening. Oh, it's such a nice way to just get to know yourself and get to know the, the patterns, as I mentioned earlier. I'm writing about it this week for mm. you. Mm. I think it's called, I think, I think the title will be with aliveness and intimacy. And I'm making it a free post, which I don't usually do at this time of the month, because I think it's important for everyone who is reading my work to read it. There is an aliveness and an intimacy that one can tap when one mm -hmm. is sitting regularly. And that moment of reflection every day is a way for you to see, okay, I really love that work. I really don't want to do this mm -hmm. work. Um, I really think that place is perfect for me and for my community. And they can all get there in one or two plane rides. And that place, while very beautiful, very enticing, and the email they sent me is really awesome, <laughs> um, I don't think that's realistic. Yeah. So like like that, the I'm going, I'm backing up into the meditation and saying, if you can prioritize that for yourself as a yoga teacher and you're listening to my voice, do it. Because it will give you the time and the space, not just to help your body go into some cellular healing mode, which is totally true and scientifically quantified, yes. but also 
to give you a time to really find out what's working and what isn't. And And it can be hard to sit with those uncomfortable feelings. And I know that that's what I had to do and what my meditation practice often is. I mean, I I have sat in meditation and meditated on pain, on heartbreak, on my allergies, on, you know, just sitting with things that are like, I don't know what to do. And this isn't working and I don't have a solution. And I'm just going to sit here and be with it. And um, that's really a lot of what I've learned over the last years to let my meditation practice be that time of self-reflection for honing in because truly I believe that, you know, the, the resolve will come, but if we keep turning away from it or running from it, um, we'll continue to stay in patterns that aren't creating the new reality that we want, which is what you actually mentioned earlier about, about why you meditate. So I would love to go there next. And, um, you're very practiced in meditation and meditation can feel really scary in the beginning. I would love to hear how you started meditating and I'll share that. I first started meditating. I did, um, John Kabat-Zinn's eight week, um, mindfulness-based stress reduction course, at Thomas Jefferson in Philadelphia before the pandemic. So it was in person. We would show up, you know, every week for three hours. And then every day for eight weeks, we were meditating for 30 minutes. And this was, you know, Vipassana meditation, meta meditation, um, really sitting and being with yourself. And I kid you not, my skin would crawl. I mean, I would sit, I would set the timer for 30 minutes and I was so terrified to be with myself, but I knew because I'd been a yoga teacher for a long time at this point. And I knew that it was a path to what I wanted, but it was terrifying. And I would open my eyes. Sometimes I would have to like stand up and breathe or just shake it off or look at the timer and be like, okay, I have eight minutes left. I can do this. And I just, I like to share that because it's not always easy to sit. And especially in the beginning. Now I adore my meditation practice. It is everything to me. I can close my eyes and I can go there because I, I know what, the potential is on the other side, but I, I would love to hear what it was like for you to truly get started in meditation. And even when that started on your, on your path of yoga. Hmm. I'm happy to hear yours, by the way, it's probably quite similar to most folks and definitely mm-hmm. to mine. It was a crawling skin for mm-hmm. 20 years, uh, about 2020. I landed here in Santa Fe kind of by accident with my family found Upaya Zen Center on the side of the road. I saw it there and I had met Roshi Joan Halifax 20 years prior, Mm. clocked her, but never followed up because I was involved with other teachers and other traditions and Mm. just wasn't the time. I instantly started studying online with Upaya because I knew that something was there for me. I just couldn't fathom what it would be. I wrote a piece called Silent Illumination about it mm. on my Substack, which is a, one of the longer pieces. It was published in Arrow Journal, but it's worth, if you're you know curious about the details, there yeah. were some fun details. It's worth reading. Um, I was sitting in our rental house every day with the community online in the Zendo, uh, Sometimes via YouTube and sometimes I was signed up for a program. So I would get the Zoom link and I would practice via Zoom. I cannot tell you how hard it was. I'm sitting in my house. I'm practicing dishes. Boom. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. Email. Boom. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. It was really hard. Uh, mm-hmm. 
we have a great luxury here, you and I, in this conversation alone, mm-hmm. just having the space and the time, having um, somehow been gifted a life where we have that kind of time. So sure. I'm acknowledging that. However, finally, a few months in, I had taken like maybe three or four different courses and I was like, all right, I'm just going to do this. Mm-hmm. Created a space in the bedroom. I set up a little table, a little altar, very simple. And I sat and I started to do the multi-hour, you know, one sit, go get some food, get a tea, second sit, listen to a lecture, listen to a Dharma talk, third sit, like that. Mm-hmm. And I started to make it happen in my house. It was not easy. Still not easy. <laughs> a lot of chaplaincy is actually online. So I have to give um, my partner, James, and my son my schedule in advance so that they know mm-hmm. in the bedroom I will be sitting and listening to Dharma talks and attending classes online. So this whole region of the house is off limits for mm-hmm. those five days or this three days. And I don't schedule anything else anymore. Mm-hmm. And I really do the practice. Mm-hmm. I have given up income. I've given up responsibilities. Um, I just had to realize that I've actually also now not, I'm not able to bring my son to college like I thought I would be because I have to be at UPI. It's one of the requirements for chaplaincy during that very week. So his father and his stepfather will do it. It's fine. The meditation practice helps me be at peace with all of these various changing realities that even when I screw up, I can sit still now and know that it will resolve itself. I will do what I need to do to fix whatever needs fixing or cease uh, arguing with reality, which is probably the only thing I have to do. That's what meditation (laughs) has taught me. And the sitting is, is, it, again, there's nothing fancy to it. You're just sitting still. You're being with your body. If if any mm-hmm. of your listener would love to um, be part of it, you can actually tune in on YouTube to the Upaya mm-hmm. Zen Center channel, 7 a.m. Mountain and 5.30 p.m. Mountain. Every day they post mm-hmm. uh, the live sit. And, you know, I've had friends tune in and they're like, well, there was no sound. <laughs> Nothing's happening. And I'm like, actually... It's silent and there's nothing happening. And this I'm finding, I'm sort of unpacking more and more is that silence and that sitting. When I first started in the Zendo or outside of it, I was held by the people sitting, especially when I'm in the Zendo and there's no moving. Like this is the position for 25, 40 minutes, whatever it is, 60 minutes. And I'm really not moving. And my hands are in cosmic mudra. And anytime I want to move or something is itchy or whatever, instead of going like this, scratching my head, I just <laughs> let the itch pass by. Mm. And I'm completely, it's as though all the other people in the Zendo are kind of supporting my practice as much as I must be supporting theirs. And that's, that's kind of how it worked. Yeah. yeah. It still works. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's absolutely beautiful. It's, um, 
at least it's very intimate and, and solo with yourself and though you're being held by other people, you know, just being with themselves too, which I think is really incredible. It reminds me, and um, this will be our last question for today because of time, but it reminds me of one of our first um, conversations in our mentorship where you talked to me about nonviolent communication and mm. it was so what I needed and so what I didn't know that I needed at the same time. And, you know, I remember us talking about this is something that's really missing in our world right now. And truly something I think that I've been able to change in my life. And I'd love for you to explain to our listeners what nonviolent communication is. And, you know, for me, it had to do with people pleasing tendencies. And so how do those two come together and how do we move away from that? Yeah, it's a really good question. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to refer to uh, the way that I've been taught. So mm -hmm. Judith Hanson Lasseter is my teacher of nonviolent communication. She was a, a pretty uh, consistent student of Marshall Rosenberg who devised this methodology, school, let's say. Nonviolent communication is a way of um, experiencing and offering empathy for yourself and then for other people and beginning to learn how to communicate clearly without uh, unnecessary emotion, but instead with uh, candor and clarity. With her course, and we teach this only once a year, she's really the teacher. I'm really the sort of intern, computer lackey which I love and I get to experience every single class. Uh, all those classes are online and I think it's happening September, October of this year. It'll be up on my site soon. She teaches, she starts the first of the eight weeks of core of the class, which are all two hours each. And you think, oh my God, that's way too long for me. But mm -hmm. in fact, it goes by so fast, mm -hmm. the two hours. The first three to four weeks are all about offering yourself empathy. So we'll hear from a lot of different people in the course. You're not obliged to share, but if you want to, you can. We'll hear from a bunch of people and we'll hear, oh, you know, I can't, I can't find my way through this morass of this emotional scandal that I'm having in my life, my family, my mom, my dad, whatever's happening, my kid. How human of me to feel this way right now. I place my hand on my heart. I whisper this to myself. I say it to myself in silence. And I, I keep that there, that hand and that sentiment until I feel full of my own empathy. Mm. I'm not taking an action. I'm not running and saying anything. I'm just getting very grounded with my own empathy. Can you imagine that she spends five to six hours on that? Sometimes wow. more. And just hearing everyone's iterations, issues, and then how they can prioritize this empathy for themselves. Then you start to realize both in yourself and witnessing other people go through their process with her. Um, and she's pretty badass. She's pretty like, you know, no, 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 don't veer off. You know, she's very, very serious about it, which I love. Um, you see people having all this empathy for themselves. And then they start to realize that the empathy that they're having for themselves can overflow. There's more to go around mm -hmm. and they can give it to the person with whom they're dealing, who is intractably awful mm -hmm. or whatever the case may be, mm -hmm. which is super cool. 
to watch. And then the sort of second half of the course, and, and this is where the rubber meets the road, is the communication. So what does that look like? Once you've given yourself empathy, how do you communicate with somebody who can barely listen to you? So one, observation. The car made a left turn. My son said that. My partner said that. The cloud passed by in the sky. It started to rain. Observations have no emotion. It's a really important first understanding of NBC because if you put an emotion on an observation, the whole thing goes to shit instantly. You can't communicate. Oh, when you said that mean thing, mm -mm. when you said these words, step one. Second step, feelings. I felt agitated, frustrated, sad, alone. Um, frightened, confused. There's a whole list of feelings and a whole list of needs, an inventory of each, in fact, that NBC, the organization, offers because we actually are not tuned into our feelings at all. It's very hard for us. I'm working through a situation with my son, a couple of his friends, and wow, it's hard for people to feel their feelings. Yeah. I mean, I was stoned for 15, 20 years, basically mm -hmm. on and off, and I could not feel my feelings. Mm -hmm. So we take this list. When I saw that, when I observed that, I felt this third step needs because my need for respect, dignity, integrity, truth, love, connection, a whole host of needs that we don't think about. I didn't even know I needed connection in this moment. I thought I needed to be right. I was really just looking for connection. When I observed that, I felt that because my need for X was not being met. Fourth step, a request. My request is that the next time that happens, it can go like this. My request is that maybe instead of this track of action that you took, this time, maybe you could try this track. My request is that you're a little quieter in the evening, whatever the request is. You know, it's usually something by the time you get to that step four of observations, mm -hmm. feelings, needs, and requests, you're like, yeah, that's kind of it. It's a savior for me in my, in my life and raising my kid. We had perhaps one of the hardest conversations we've ever had to have last night. Mm -hmm. um, I am sort of taking a stand for two people who used to be friends of his who are no longer in his life by his choice. I'm taking a stand for these two, uh, both of whom have done various shades of real serious misdeeds, one more than the other. And to somehow get into a conversation where I can hear him and he knows that I've heard him. He wishes I would not be in contact with these two people. And they're 17 and one of them really needs parents. Both of them actually really need parents. And he can hear me that my life, I'm here to serve the Dharma. Like, mm -hmm. how could I not help mm. these two people who are close to me, who trust me, who believe me, who know me? who need some aspect of what I can share. Mm -hmm. I'm sure they would find it elsewhere, but 
boy, is it easy for me to offer. I've got such a surfeit of love and care. That was one of the hardest conversations we've ever had to have. And we had it and we did it. And all I needed was connection and all he needed was to be heard. And who knows how the thing will play out. Mm. But both of us are at peace today. It's a little bit awkward. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I remember you walking me through this and really helping me to change how I was able to relate to so many people in my life. And I feel like all of my relationships have just gotten stronger. Um, I used to really struggle with feeling my feelings. There was just fear there. And um, my meditation practices helped me a lot, but a lot of what you just shared and how you get there has also helped me in those moments where I want to bypass my feelings and communicate in a way that won't serve me or the other person and to really go slow. And I think it it takes slowing down in order to feel your feelings and to honor them and to honor yourself. And that's something I've learned from you through your words, through um, learning, you know, I remember honestly, Alina, when you said to me, like, let's try this practice of nonviolent communication. I was like, what is that? And it's everything that I need. And, and why have I not learned this? You know, and um, I think that's why it's just so important to have these conversations and to share, you know, honest stories about, you know, how we've implemented this or how we've fucked it up, you know, either way. And cause I don't do it perfectly all the time. Um, but it's, it's been a journey and I think it's something that can really support a lot of people and not only support themselves, but their relationships, like you just shared between you and your son to obviously deepen that relationship and that trust between you two. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, you bet. It's, uh, one thing that I thought of when you said that's slowing down. Judith, when she teaches this course, she's always like, whoa, hold on, hold on, slow it down, slow it down. We have such a tendency as humans to rush through the harder details. And um, yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's important to realize that slowing down is probably 80% of healing the thing, whatever it is. I fully agree. I had a friend say that to me the other day. I wanted to, there's a difficult situation that came up and I called her and she talked me through and I was like, you know, yeah, it's fine. It's going to be fine. She's like, it is going to be fine, but you have to feel what you're feeling and what you're feeling is valid. And I want you to sit in that. And that permission from somebody outside of myself was very needed in that moment, even though, you know, I practice this as much as I can. I just wanted to move on to the next thing and not feel what I wanted to feel. And the slowing down is so essential. Um, even today, you know, for me, just sharing with our community that I'm going to be closing the Philadelphia studio. I honestly got in the bathtub before our conversation. I was like, I'm going to take a bath. I need to be with my body. I need to slow down. I need to unplug. And it was actually a literal four minute bath. <laughs> I got to play one song and it still made such a difference and in how I was able to show up to our conversation and how I'll show up to the rest of the day and for our community in this transition. So I, I deeply appreciate you, your insight. I 
feel like you've taught me life lessons that I will truly carry with me my entire lifetime and probably beyond. And I, I hope and I know and trust that that also spills out, you know, as, as you um, mentor others and we get to pass that on. So I truly appreciate just you and your, your work in this world and um, just the depth of, of who you are. And I would love for you to share, you know, with our community, just what you're up to now, what you're most excited about, how they can stay involved. Um, Cause I know that they would love to hear. That's very kind and generous of you, dear. Um, and also I would like to say the uh, depth and clarity of your studentship is felt mm-hmm. it was it is and was wonderful to work with you because I know that you are taking everything to heart and to action, which is wonderful, even when the action looks like less doing, which is great. How do you see? <laughs> um, if, you know, for whatever time this comes out, elaineofrower.com is the best way to find me. And there you'll find the calendar of events, you'll find the Substack. you'll find all the different courses that I offer mm-hmm. both ongoing and in person. Um, and that's probably the best place to look. I'm most consistent there. Mm-hmm. I send out one email a month and then my Substack is once a week writing, practicing writing. I have a book that's going to come out probably next year with Shambhala Publications working title is come home to yourself or coming home. I have, we haven't figured it out yet. And then it might be something totally different, but I'm pretty psyched about it. It's a combination of art, um, prompts and writing and personal writing Mm. that I have not done yet, you know, except Mm. for the poetry, which is personal, but also quite sort of vague. This is a little more literal and more Mm. like my sub stack. Um, I think those are the best places to look. I'm pretty active on Instagram, but less so now that I started studying again. So it's harder Mm -hmm. to be kind of, you know, really keeping up there, but Mm -hmm. I'm doing my best. Um, When about is this podcast going to air? Actually, I think it's going to air next week. So very soon. Yes. So then let me share one thing. If you go to elenabrower.com forward slash calendar, you're going to see a Mm -hmm. course called The Path of the brokenhearted. Mm. And I think there's a real dearth of good teaching and uh, prompts, writing prompts on what it means to have a broken heart. What is a broken heart? Is suffering even a failure? Mm. We've been taught that it is, and I question that now. Um, and this is a course, uh, basically a, just a one-off two and a half hours that I'll teach with one of my best friends and co-teachers, Ali Bogard, who is, I think, one of the smartest humans on this planet. I don't say that lightly. And she and I will be offering this on March 7th in the morning. <clears throat> so that could be interesting too. And that's on the calendar. Um, and if you decide that you want to come in December to retreat, which I would die to have you. I think you would love it. And I think uh, you would enjoy just being a student for a little while. Mm, I 
would absolutely love to. It sounds incredible. I also have several of your books and um, you have an incredible podcast as well with mm. many incredible teachers and, and leaders that I know our community would love learning from as well. And Substack, you're very active on. I love getting your messages from Substack and you shared Substack with me and um, we're on there now, the Well Studio Substack. And I absolutely love creating on there. So I'm so thankful to you for that and um, follow Elena's Substack. Absolutely. I feel like it's such a great place to, um, to really know all the facets of who you are and what you're offering and what you're excited about. Um, it's such a beautiful medium and platform. So we are so grateful. I am so grateful. And I, I can't wait to share this episode. So thank you for your time, Elena. I personally love hearing from each of you in my DMs about how these conversations are landing for you, what is resonating, and the changes that you're making as a result of the wisdom that you're hearing from these conversations. So send me a message on Instagram at the well for your soul and let's stay connected. There are also so many more ways to stay connected with us at the Well Studio, and I wanted to invite you into the offerings that we have for you coming up this year. My mentorship program for yoga teachers through the Well Studio starts on March 14th and will be meeting every single month for nine months live online. This is a program and a mentorship where I will be intimately teaching you and working with you on how to deepen your skills as a teacher, to create and grow and expand your community and to develop an ecosystem of a teaching career that feels truly aligned for you. And then in May, we have our 200-hour yoga teacher training online with the Well Studio with an optional four-day intensive in our studio in New Mexico. All the details for everything that's coming up with us and ways to stay connected through our Substack, our wellness workshops, my live lectures and online conversations, as well as retreats to Mallorca, Spain, to New Mexico, and so much more can be found on our website at thewellstudio.org and our Instagram at the well for your soul. I love you all dearly and I will talk to you in our next conversation.